Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, former presidential speechwriter Craig Smith, as we continue our 24th anniversary year. Straight Talk is brought to you in part by the Port of Long Beach, a leader in international trade and environmental stewardship. And the Press-Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years. And Scan Health Plan, for your health and independence. Join us for tonight's edition of Straight Talk. And now your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to Straight Talk. We have a great show for you tonight. Our guest for the whole show is Craig Smith, former presidential speechwriter. He was a writer for President Ford and also a consultant to President Bush Sr. Craig, welcome to our show. It's good to be back, Art. And you recently published a book, Confessions of a Professional Speechwriter, a fascinating uh, history through... Uh, 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 presidential campaigns and your experiences with the presidents that you worked for. Yes, it was a, quite a ride to get into the White House and then help with so many different campaigns. Well, how timely because we are in the presidential campaign season. Many of us have watched several, if not all, of the Republican and Democratic presidential debates, so we want to uh, have you as our guide as we analyze the strengths and weaknesses of the different candidates. Let me also put in a plug for our holiday Straight Talk magazine newsletter. It's a wonderful issue and contains an article about you and some of your work. Thank you. So let's start with uh, the history of presidential debates. How far back do they go? Well, it's often misunderstood. I I'm always amazed when a reporter says, we ought to have something like the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Well, Abraham Lincoln and Stephen A. Douglas debated one another in a Senate campaign. It wasn't a presidential campaign. It was in 1858. You don't want that format. The first speaker spoke for an hour. The second speaker <laughs> spoke for 90 minutes. And then the, the, the first speaker came back and spoke for another hour. And, of course, and there they, was no television there. There was no television. There, there were reporters reporting it and right. a bunch of people there. Right. And there were seven of those debates across the state uh, of Illinois in each congressional district. But, but they weren't presidential. Both of those people, Douglas and Lincoln, then ran for president two years later, and of course Lincoln won, but there was no presidential debates. The first presidential debates that we had were not until 1960. Really? Right, right. And that was the Kennedy-Nixon debate. We had primary debates. Uh, uh, Governor Dewey of New York debated Harold Stassen of Minnesota and beat him in the Oregon primary debate, and that changed the whole outcome of the Republican nomination in 1948. But we did not have presidential debates until 1960. And those were the three Nixon-Kennedy debates. And of course, in the first debate, everything that could go wrong went wrong for Richard Nixon. Uh, he was in pain from banging his knee. The, the suit he wore didn't fit right because he'd lost weight because he'd been in the hospital for his knee injury. Uh, he debated Kennedy. Kennedy ignored him and spoke to the nation and won the debate. And the result was that people didn't want to debate anymore after that. And Nixon declined, as I recall, to use makeup, thinking it wasn't manly. And you need makeup on television, as God knows we know here. Well, it, you know, it was interesting because it was black and white television. And the cathode tube in the camera penetrated the first layer of Nixon's skin and showed that he had a, a shadow. Yeah, and, and that didn't happen with Kennedy. 
Furthermore, Kennedy had been down at the West Palm Beach compound that the Kennedys had and was all tan and lovely. Nixon had been in the hospital and was all pale and ghoulish. And under the hot lights, Nixon sweated like crazy. And ironically, uh, those that listened to the debates on radio thought that Nixon won. Yes. But overwhelmingly, those who watched on television, for the reasons you indicated, thought Kennedy came out of it. That's right. And when Nixon lost the election by 112,000 votes, everybody blamed it on the first debate. And so you didn't have debates again until 1976. Well, they really should have blamed Chicago. <laughs> and Dallas. <laughs> Dallas and Chicago, right. Yeah. Well, uh, you worked for President Ford, and so when debates resumed, you were there. Yeah, we put into his acceptance speech a challenge to Jimmy Carter to debate us. Uh, Carter didn't want to debate because he was leading in all the polls. And uh, by the end of the Republican convention in Kansas City, uh, we were within striking distance of Carter. And since Ford was the sitting president and made the challenge, Carter couldn't very well turn him down. So they had three debates. In the first debate, Ford won and the election went tight. In the second debate at the Palace of the Arts in San Francisco, President Ford misspoke himself about, about the whether Western the, Europe and yeah, the Soviet. whether the Soviet Union dominated Poland. Uh, immediately after the debate, we asked the president to hold a press conference and quickly say he misspoke himself and that he meant in the hearts and minds the Polish people are not dominated by the Soviet Union, which is what he had been scripted to say. Uh, oh, he went off script? He went off script. And uh, so th th the president was ready to do that, and Henry Kissinger came up and said, that'll insult the Russians. I'm trying to get Anatoly Sharansky out of the Soviet Union. You can't do that. And they debated whether the president should say he misspoke for five days, and the election went away, and Carter became the president. And he never uh, corrected that he, he, he corrected it five days too later. Late. Too late. In California. Because the mistake reminded everybody about this is the president that trips and falls on oh, uh, yes. tarmacs. This the is Saturday the, Night Live the, parody the, didn't help him. That's right. Through. Chevy Chase making fun of him every Saturday night. So uh, the election slipped away. And, uh, 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 but we had established that there would be presidential debates from that point on. What uh, are some of the more memorable lines that... Uh, you either were responsible for or knew of in, in presidential speeches? Well, I think the next time we had debates was between Reagan and Carter, and I wasn't involved with that, but Reagan's line about, there you go again, you're making things up that aren't true, there you go again, now, distorting my record. was that spontaneous or had that been prepared, do you uh, think? I don't know, uh, but it, it certainly seemed spontaneous at the well, time. I mean, Reagan, Reagan was on his game. What happened in that election was Carter said he wouldn't debate Reagan. And so there was a third-party candidate named John Anderson, a Republican. So Anderson and Reagan debated one another, and that closed the gap between Reagan and Carter. And the Carter people said, let's finish Reagan off. He's just a, an actor. He doesn't know what he's doing. And so they agreed. Boy, was that a misjudgment. <laughs> huge, huge mistake. So they agreed to have a debate in late October, one debate and only one. And Reagan won it overwhelmingly and turned the whole election around. Was that where Reagan gave the famous line, I'm not going to make age an issue in this election. I'm not going to use your youth and immaturity as an argument that, against you. That, that was four years later when, oh, he, that was four when years. he debated Mondale in oh, 1984. Yeah. In, 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 the, in the first debate, Reagan was off his game. They had tried to overbrief him. Uh, and everybody got worried. This, this is where uh, his son, Ronnie, says the first signs of Alzheimer's were beginning to show. Wow. So there was all this questioning about Reagan. And Nancy Reagan came forward and said, we, you let Ronnie be Ronnie. 
in the next debate. And in that next debate, he, he really handled Mondale war well, and he had that line about his youth and experience. That was a prepared line. But it, was, it, 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 it took this major issue that he's too old off the table. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing what one line can do. One he's still do. older. Yeah. Nothing's changed. But yeah. now it's, it's uh, how does that work? A humorous line that just says it's no longer an issue. Well, the media helps. You'll remember in 1988 when Dan Quayle was in the debate with Lloyd Benson. Oh, God. Yes. And I had worked uh, coaching uh, Dan Quayle. Uh, my, the senator I worked for was used as the Benson stand-in. So I saw the rehearsals, and Dan Quayle was brilliant in the rehearsals. People forget Dan Quayle became a senator because he won a debate against Birch Bayh, who was no slouch in Indiana. So we were fairly confident that Quayle would be all but right. that killer line. Well, and, and what happens, you know, they kept asking him the same question, and he kept trying to dodge it. And then finally he said, you know, I'm more qualified now than John Kennedy was when he ran for president. And Benson Bingo. literally was licking his lips as the, the, those Hit words came out. out. Of the park. And then Lloyd Benson said, I, I knew, knew Jack Kennedy. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. Yeah, Jack Kennedy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, but... The media helped that because that's where they stopped the tape when they so showed the sound bits the next day. Right after that, Dan Quayle said, Senator, that was uncalled for, and they never played that part of the answer. The other thing that's interesting about that is the poll data over the next few days showed that that did not damage the Bush-Quayle ticket at all. Really? If you have a president that's vital, people don't care that much about the vice presidential candidate. If you have a presidential candidate that's aged, and may die in office like John McCain and his vice presidential candidate is Sarah Palin, then they pay attention. And so the, the Quayle-Benson uh, thing made no dent at all in the, in the poll data. Nothing happened. Fascinating. Well, uh, we are going to uh, analyze first the Republican candidates in the next segment and, uh, and the debate. So stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages. At the Port of Long Beach, we're not only delivering jobs, smart ideas, and forward-thinking environmental initiatives. We're also delivering opportunity for all of Southern California. Oh, and a clearer horizon line. To learn more, go to polb.com. The Port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks.
At Performance Plus Tire, you'll find we carry Toyo tires. For over 50 years, Toyo has been a world leader in the development of high-quality tires. Optimum performance, safety, and a comfortable ride. That's what makes Toyo tires great. And now come into Performance Plus Tire for a great deal on these Toyo tires. Proxies ST, Open Country AT, and Proxies 4. Toyo tires, driven to perform. Come in today and we'll install new Toyo tires on your vehicle while you wait. Performance Plus Tire on Cherry Avenue, one mile north of the 405 in Long Beach. We're back, continuing this fascinating conversation with former presidential speechwriter Craig Smith. We're going to focus now on the Republican candidates uh, and the Republican debates. They started with 17, and there was the big table and the little table and all that. Uh, uh, speak to a couple of the major candidates and their speaking styles. Well, I think you have a, a lot of contrast and a lot to pick from. Uh, Marco Rubio, for example, is very articulate. He's clearly been studying the issues. He's much clearer on the issues than he was a year ago. He's worked very hard. The other thing that I think is admirable about his strategy, whether you like him or not, is he waits for the ball to come to him, and then he hits it out of the park. He doesn't go after things, and he doesn't go after the other people in the debate. So I think that's one of the reasons that he's kind of rising uh, in, in the polls. The major contrast then is, is, is Donald Trump. You have uh, Donald Trump, whose style I call barroom talk. Uh, you go into a bar, <laughs> you have a few drinks, you're uninhibited, uh, it's a noisy, so you have to shout, you're with friends, so you think you can say anything you want, and, 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 and Donald Trump to me sounds like he's in a bar talking to you. And I think people say, you know, I was just down at Joe's bar and I said that to Frankie the other day, the same thing that Donald Trump just said. And so you get some kind of identification there. On the other extreme is the very soft-spoken Ben Carson, who's very laid back and may understand what Marshall McLuhan said about television being a cool medium. I mean, <laughs> he is so cool, he's almost asleep. Uh, but people are liking that, too. They like a calm voice. They like that he's an outsider. They like that he is a brain surgeon. And maybe it's time we had a brain surgeon for president. Uh, and, so, and so he's, he's playing on his narrative and doing very well. The outsiders that. in both the Republican and Democratic primaries uh, are polling high. And uh, in, in the latest issue of our magazine, I write a column on authenticity as a political value and make the argument that, that like in the Democratic primary, uh, well, Bernie Saunders in the Democrat and Trump in the Republican have nothing in common One's a socialist and one's a billionaire, and yet they're both polling high, and I make the argument that it's their authenticity that uh, is so appealing to the electorate, that people are hungry for someone who's going to tell them like it is. I absolutely agree with you, and, and television reveals inauthenticity. In one of the debates, there was an exchange between Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio, and Jeb Bush attacked Rubio for missing Senate votes. It was clearly plotted. It was clearly he was told to do that. You could tell he was uncomfortable doing it. It looked inauthentic. And then Rubio responded so strongly by saying, you know, you didn't criticize John McCain when he missed Senate votes and he was running for president, and I missed less than him. And you could tell Bush was flummoxed at that. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think those inauthentic moments can really hurt you on television. Yeah. They really show up. A couple of the, uh, well, Carla, Carly Farina. 
Uh, I think Carly uh, Fiorina uh, is, is an interesting story because in the first debate, she was at the little table. She, uh, she graduated she, up she, away. Well, she, the, she <laughs> did very well yeah. at that little table, which shows you can move to the, from the little table to the big table. Uh, and, and I think, that, you know, that's the story there. Um, she's also, uh, her, her line was, you know, politicians have promised you all this time that they can get certain things done. They make the promises, we elect them, and then nothing happens. I will make these things happen. Well, how do we know that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice claim. Well, Trump I, is saying the same thing, too. Oh, yeah. no problem with the wall. Mexico will pay for it. And, uh, you know, he, he is not hesitant to, to, to make the grandiose statement. But he does have some credibility in that regard as a negotiator. He, he wrote a book on negotiation. He's done some negotiations. He's actually built casinos and hotels and so on. I think Fiorina doesn't have that That's kind right. of well, yeah, gravitas. She, she got ousted from Hewlett-Packard. Yeah. But one thing that Trump says that rings true to me, at least, he says, you know, I'm going to finance my own campaign. I'm not going to be beholden to any of the... Almost all the candidates have some big money donor backing him. And Trump says, I'm not going to anyone. I'm going to do it, and I'll be my own man. And, and, and that's true. I don't think it's entirely true. Uh, $5 million that has been spent on the Trump campaign came from donors. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he says these things, and then you fact check him, and it turns out it's not true. When, when, when he said the thing about Mark Zuckerberg, that what, it, it, what, he said it wasn't true, it was on his website. And so uh, I, I think there's this the thing about Trump is he, he, he'll say the big lie, and people, if you say it enough times, people begin to believe it. But yeah. they're fact-checking him now, and, and some of this stuff isn't true. Would it be your prediction that, that he eventually will overplay his hand and start to lose I, I, yeah, support? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it, what is interesting to me is I don't think the national polls matter that much. What matters is what happens in Iowa and what happens in New Hampshire. And I can tell you from being part of the Bush senior campaign, when we won Iowa, we were resented in New Hampshire. New Hampshire votes against whoever wins in Iowa. <laughs> I mean, Barack Obama won in Iowa, Hillary won in New Hampshire. Bush won in Iowa, Reagan ran in New Hampshire. So I, I, Ben Carson could easily win in Ohio, and then Trump wins in New Hampshire, and then we see what happens. But I think the, the, the support that people like Trump and even Bernie Saunders have gathered in their respective primaries is indication of the frustration of the American yeah. people at both parties. Yes. That year, I mean, things that are really important to the man in the street, whether it's Wall Street reform or immigration reform, uh, securing our borders, not happening. No. And, and I think uh, the much neglected election that took place on the first Tuesday of November, where the governor of the, the, the a Tea Party person became governor of Kentucky, reinforces the divide in this country. The South is now all red states. Uh, uh, all, all but two governors are in the Republican Party. Uh, the House is Republican, the Senate is Republican, and Barack Obama is a Democrat as president. And this is leading to all kinds of ideological and political gridlock, and that's what people are mad about. Fascinating. Okay, we'll be back with more of our show after these messages. How do you like your chances the rest of the way? I got no idea. But I do know that if we stay with Naples Rib Company, at least we won't go hungry. Coach, what do you think about some of those questionable calls tonight? Oh, yeah. 
But if you want a sound call, I'd call Naples Rib Company. You can't miss on that call. Then Naples Rib Company is part of your game plan? There really is nothing more motivating than a great barbecue meal at Naples Rib Company. Victory or not, Naples Rib Company, great game plan. Founded in 1976, Polly's Gourmet Coffee is Southern California's most complete gourmet coffee store. Polly's has the best tasting coffee, freshly roasted every day right in the store. Plus a wide selection of teas, an in-house bakery, espresso bar, patio dining, and more. We also offer Wi-Fi, free internet access for all of our customers. Our nationwide clientele agree, when it comes to coffee, there's only one name to remember. Polly's, 4606 East 2nd Street, welcoming you into Belmont Shore. When I was a boy growing up in Italy, I had a dream to own my own store. I came to the United States and I worked hard as a tailor. Hi, I'm Umberto. I've been in Long Beach since 1960, carrying the finest quality men's clothing. It was a long way away, but styles are just around the corner. Umberto, 2141 Bellflower, Long Beach. When you have enough internet speed for everyone in your home, mom can video chat with grandma. Your daughter can check her favorite sites. Your son can conquer the galaxy. And you'll still have enough bandwidth to conquer your first warrior pose. Get internet speed starting at 60 megabits per second with Charter Spectrum. Where will it take you? We're back with former presidential speechwriter Craig Smith turning to the Democratic candidates. Uh, does Hillary have it locked up? Well, unless they discover something in her email somewhere uh, or she makes a, a terrible mistake, uh, she seems to be, you know, the clear front runner. She's a very good debater. Um, the Benghazi hearing, she sat through that 11 hours and they didn't lay a finger on her. Uh, there is some evidence that, of contradictions in the email, and the Republicans will probably make a commercial out of it, but right now she does look like the front runner. She's very tough. Uh, Art, there, was, there was a thing that happened in one of the Democratic debates. Remember, Bernie Sanders says, I'm tired of hearing about your damn emails. And she thanked him, and that was a nice thing for him to do for her. And not three minutes later, she was attacking his record. Uh, you know, here, here, and he, he, he was, you could just see the shock on his face. You know, I helped you out and now you're attacking me. Yeah. I mean, the, the woman's tough. Bernie Saunders, though, has a sense of authenticity yeah. to go back to that concept that is appealing to, to a lot of folks in the Democratic Party. Well, he's your angry grandpa, you know, and, <laughs> and we can resonate with that. Uh, somebody said he always looks like the man who just missed his flight. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, he's, he's not a happy camper, but, but he's, he is sincere. It is authentic. You can see it's unscripted. He's saying what he really feels. I'm a, I mean, he, apparently he's been a socialist uh, yeah. for his whole camp, whole career. Yeah. He was yeah. mayor of a, a town in, in New Hampshire and, uh, and continued. Uh, but to me, it's amazing that 20% of the country uh, in the polls are supporting him, and he's a socialist. America's not a socialist country. No, it's not, but I think 20% of Democrats favor socialistic programs, such as expanding Medicare and Medicaid. What has happened is he's moved Hillary to the left. Uh, she's no longer... She had to cover her flag yeah, there. Yeah, so she no longer favored the XL pipeline. She no longer favored the Pacific trade deal that she said was the gold standard. 
Uh, now, how do you move from support to not support without looking uh, pandering to the crowd? Well, I thought she gave a very good answer on that. She said, you know, I'm open to new information, and I got new information, and I changed my mind. And the new information was? She never told us what the new information was. <laughs> Her former positions were polling badly. Yeah, that's probably that was the new, the new information. information. <laughs> and what about uh, the governor of uh, Maryland? The former governor of Maryland former is, governor. Uh, is smooth, uh, Martin O'Malley. He's well-spoken. Uh, he just needs a breakout moment uh, at some point in, in this whole series. Uh, he's just not getting up to that breakout moment where something happens and suddenly you go, wow, that guy's special. And what about the press, the role of the press? Uh, so th those opening round questions and then others on the CNBC mm -hmm. debate, uh, uh, to me, were insulting. They were, and, and in, the, in the first debate with Fox, when Megyn Kelly opened up with an attack, and then uh, each of the re uh, reporters that followed also attacked, uh, the media looks biased one way or the other. And I think with the CNBC debate, where the, the Republican candidates then took control of the debate and ridiculed the CNBC. The inmates are running the asylum. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I think CNBC took a terrible hit to their credibility. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, uh, the pur purpose of moderators is not to espound their views or whatever, or to, to do gotcha questions, but is to uh, is to explore the candidates and, and let the real candidate come out. And I thought they failed miserably on the CNBC right, debate. Right. Well, that's why they're called moderators. Uh, they're not called interrogators. They should have had you on the show. It would have been much better. Well, thank you for that. Uh, and now we have... Uh, the question of who gets invited to the debates. There's the little table, the big table, yes. and now the no table. Yeah, they're, they're throwing people off the table. So uh, It reminds me of the survivor, they're yeah. throwing them off the island. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It's like a reality show. But it's, it's not obvious to me what polls are used to decide who's where, and the, the difference between some of the candidates and which table are statistically very narrow, if not insignificant. Yeah, they, they, it's, a, it's uh, an aggregate of the polls, and they will announce, you know, which polls taken from this date to this date, we average them, and that's who determines who gets at what table. But if you want to slant the result, you can pick your polls. Yes. Like you can pick your pals. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> so overall, uh, how would you rate this election cycle? It's quite unique, isn't it? I think it's very unique, very unusual. Uh, and we can conclude that there's a lot of dissatisfaction and unhappiness uh, with both parties. I think so. I think political machinery is broken and people are not happy with it. And so if you're an incumbent, you can really be in trouble. And the candidates, the Republican candidates, kind of took over the negotiation and pushed the party out. I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite, quite amazing. Well, any predictions for us? I think that uh, we're going to continue to see sifting at this point. Uh, in 2008, the, pre the presumptive nominees were Hillary Clinton and Rudy Giuliani, well, and neither so one of them got there. it. Yeah, and, and, and you can look back through time. Ed Muskie was presumptive at this time. He never he got it. Until he cried. Right, right. Uh, Harold Stassen was presumptive. He never got it. So we're still early. Let's see what happens. Thomas Dewey with the famous headline. Yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and so it's too early to tell. Really. I think it is. I think we have to wait for Iowa and New Hampshire and let And we need to out. clear some of the candidates off the field so that the, uh, the strongest ones have a chance to really solidify yeah. 
their, their, their support. Yeah, I think particularly on the Republican side, you're going to see more people pulling out, and then those people will aggregate towards someone. And you're going to have people pulling out who are politicians, and people who like politicians will then consolidate behind them. And I, I, I would suspect that Marco Rubio and Governor Kasich of Ohio are going to be the ones that benefit from anybody who pulls out. And what about uh, Jeb Bush? We should mention, uh, I'd like to get your comments, and we'll do that in the next segment. We'll be back after these messages. Bill Trainees mixes California style with continental cuisine that includes fresh seafood from around the world. Since Bill is the chef, the menu has a wide variety of pastas, salads, soups, and appetizers that feature his unique personal touch. And the Italian-American signature dishes are simply beyond delicious. You never know who you're going to run into at Trainees, from the famous sports legends on the Wall of Fame to local celebrities having a drink at the bar. For the best fine dining experience, visit Phil Trainees. You've been planning this moment for a long time. It couldn't be a more perfect moment. And you have the perfect ring that will tell her, I want to love you forever. But nothing is perfect. Don't listen to that guy. He got the ring at McCarty's. McCarty's makes a moment. Okay, we're out of time. We'll have Craig back for a follow-up. Thanks for watching. Good night. Straight Talk has been brought to you by the Port of Long Beach, the Press-Telegram, and Scan Health Plan. And remember, Straight Talk is viewable 24-7 at straighttalktv.com.